What's going on, guys? Welcome back into the Fortress of Commentude podcast. My name is Tyler. Hi, Mary. We're joined today by a very special guest, writer Frank. Is it Gogol, right? Is that how you pronounce your last name? Did we lose you? Hello? I muted myself. Oh. oh. <laughs> you Hell of an muted. intro. <laughs> okay. We were going to start that thing over. I just wanted to make sure I was pronouncing your last okay. name right. It's a uh, Google. Okay, that, short. Oh. That, that that's what I thought it was, but I just wanted to make sure. Okay, we'll start. Over. We're gonna do that one more time. <laughs> Take two. That's right. What's going on, guys? Welcome back into the Fortress of Comitude podcast. My name is Tyler. Hi, Mary. We're joined today by a very special guest, comic writer Frank Gogol, is here to talk about uh, his upcoming book, No Heroin, that's coming out. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Frank, he's written, he wrote Dead End Kids last year. That was a book that got talked about quite a bit. Uh, you did uh, Grief as well, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, first of all, thanks for joining the show, man. Dude, thanks for having me. I am always super excited to to come on a new show that I haven't done before because I get to answer all the questions that I really like that people don't ask me anymore. So, <laughs> thank you guys for having me. Cool. So, we're uh, like I said, we're definitely gonna talk about no heroin a lot. We're gonna uh, we'll, we'll kind of bounce around a couple topics. We, we've had a couple uh, interactions on Twitter, and so there's no way that I'm gonna let you out of here without talking Power Rangers a little bit. Okay. Because okay. Uh, that's a, a a major love of mine, as is yours. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely make some time for that as well. But the first thing we have to do, anytime we have a new guest on this podcast, we do what we call Comic Book Origins, which is just basically what is your personal story of how did you get into comics kind of at what age and what was uh, like some of the first like early stuff that you read that really kind of made you love comics? Ooh, that's, that is – those are loaded questions. <clears throat> Let me see if I can – I'll, I'll do the Cliff Notes version because it is like literally the whole story of my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I was super young, uh, oh god, this is gonna get dark real quick. Uh, growing up, both of my parents had drug problems. Uh, my dad passed away when I was about a year and a half old from an overdose, and my oh, mom Jesus had. Jesus Christ! <laughs> right, super dark. But uh, I think things weren't great. Uh, sure. In the early years of my life, and that's sort of how I found comics. Uh, sort of, yeah traditional nerd escapism like things aren't great at home so you sort of hide in comics um and uh i'm 32 so i was born in the late 80s uh so i grew up watching batman the animated series spider-man the animated series x-men um the totally underappreciated fantastic four cartoon from about 1996 uh i didn't know that existed yeah every marvel book had a cartoon in the 90s like you and like you don't need to watch the show. You just need to watch the the Flame On song, the Human Torch Flame On song uh-huh. that they did. It's one of the yeah. greatest things you'll ever see. Oh, okay. I, I promise you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I grew up watching comics. Um, I grew up reading comics, uh, and that was that was sort of like my education into what what comics were. Like I'm, I'm a you know traditionally a Marvel guy because I had a little more exposure to that. Um, and I, I would consider myself like a, a light fan through most of my life. I didn't buy my first comic book that wasn't a hand-me-down until 1997. I think it was 97, about there. Um, and I remember it because it was a truly awful comic book. Um, <laughs> it was one of the Marvel DC mashup amalgamum universe. Oh, the amalgam yeah. universe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I can't say that word. Sorry. Um, 
uh, it was it was Spider Boy. So it was a, a the, the Superboy Spider Man. Superboy Spider. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a largely forgettable, truly awful '90s comic uh, in the way that like you would remember like early Image comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason I was able to remember what book it was later in life, um, I actually tracked down a copy, is because the last page is a splash of. Sp- Spider boy eating Chinese food, like on a billboard or something. And like that image always stuck with me. And like, that's like the perfect image to encapsulate what the book was about. Like it was just junk food. <laughs> like <Yeah>. just <laughs> relaxing. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I sort of stuck with it loosely, uh, moving forward in life. Uh, I didn't really get way into comics, like having weekly books, you know, having a local comic shop that I frequented until I was, 18. Uh, it was my senior year of high school. Uh, it was about the time Marvel Civil War was uh, about to kick off. So it was, yeah, it was April. Man, we um, were coming in right around the same time. That's 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 when I really started getting heavy into it too. Was right around that Civil War era as well. Yeah. Um, so I was a big Spider-Man guy, like because of the cartoon growing up. I loved. Oh, Sp- we're the I loved, same person. <laughs> really loved Carnage, um, and. Uh, a buddy of mine gave me a newspaper clipping from our like small local paper saying that Spider-Man was getting a new costume. Um, it was the red and gold and sort of iron spider costume. Um, so Great I went to my design old shop. Too. Lo- I, love that design. I, that, that first cover for it's just it's absolutely stunning. Like not many covers do that much for me as that one does. Um, but That's once fair. I ordered that, I read it. Um, I wanted more. So I started picking up the friendly, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man book that was coming out at the same time. I think sensational Spider-Man, was coming out at the same time or had just rebranded as sensational. So there's three Spider-Man titles and ultimate Spider-Man. So, and then I really just like when civil war hit, I pulled every book um, just so I could taste everything. And, and really I, to this day still read probably about 80% of what Marvel puts out every week, just because I like to keep up and like, I'm so invested. Yeah. DC never really hooked me the same way. Um, Around the time rebirth hit, like it was a good jumping on point for somebody who didn't know DC very well. hundred percent. I tried everything then as well, um, and a few books stuck with me. I, I still read Batman. Um, I tend to, to read the events. I follow certain writers, so if they'll do a run on a DC book like like Grant Morrison's doing Green Lantern right now. Um, oh, we are the same person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, that's the, the short version of how I got into comics. Sure. I mean, J. Michael Straczynski was writing Spider-Man at that time. So I kind of caught the tail end of that, right? You know, when Civil War hit and just fell in love with that run. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's super good. That and I honestly, Spider-Man's one of the books, like up until like midway through Slots Run, like it, it was incredibly solid, like all the way through Brand New Day. Like, I mean, there was obviously some dull arcs in there, oh, but yeah. like, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased because I know everyone has their their oh, sort sure. of golden age of comics, like what run they think is the best. And like that whole... Avengers disassembled through like siege area mm-hmm. is like that's all my favorite stuff like those are that's my Avengers run that's my cap run uh, my Iron Man run mm-hmm. by fractions in there um not not to say that I don't have new favorite runs I really like Tom King's vision last year or two years ago now wow. mm-hmm. um, so like yeah but yeah that that era of comics is really special to me like those 2008 or 2005 even through like 2010 20, 2012. I, I retained for a long time that uh, I think I, I really enjoyed S- Slot's run on Spider-Man up until about Spider-Verse. And then after Spider-Verse, I think kind of about what you were saying, right about the halfway point, it felt like 
there was a dip somewhere. They did like clone conspiracy and stuff. And I mean, I'm not, you know, saying it is or whatever, but it's just, it, it, it all of a sudden it wasn't the same for me after that. Yeah. Uh, Dan, I don't know Dan, so I'm using his first name like he's my friend. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's a great writing, writer, but he, he's a very good technical writer. Everything he writes is like well structured. He's got great dialogue. Um, some of his stories, I just it's 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 highs and lows for me. Like I really like New Ways to Die is one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. That was from the Brand New Day era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a lot in the the you know the the his dedicated run that came after Brand New Day that I just you know was hit hit for me, miss for me. Um, he tells like really good emotional else. stories. Um, though now that Nick Spencer's writing the book and he's about to hit issue 40, I'm starting to long for slot back. Like, I don't know. Nick's Are run you? Is, okay. Nick's run's not doing a lot for me. Okay. Like, it just, it, like, I'm trying to remember any of the arcs. I remember Hunted, which was better. Than I thought some of Hunted was pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, like it's, I mean, it's hard to tell a good Craven story after, you know. It's true. It, it, it's like the, the best Craven story was already done. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, Slot had a couple of good ones in his run. Um, and then who, I forget who wrote Craven's first hunt back during Brand New Day. Um, yeah. That, and they, they did that, that Grim was, Hunt story as well. Grim Hunt. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Slot had some really good lizard stories. Those oh, sure. I thought. Slot gets a pass no matter what because like Superior Spider-Man was like the most original idea I'd seen in 10 years. So like no matter what, take or leave Dan Slot's Spider-Man run because he did 10 years worth of it. So obviously there's going to be ups and downs if you write a book for that long. But like Superior Spider-Man was so goddamn good that it's like I can't can't give him any shit. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean – on the whole, eight out of ten. Like I'm not by any means saying that I did not like the run. Oh yeah, it I, just, just for me that that J. Michael Straczynski run to me is is really close to the top of my Spider-Man. It's uh, it's near perfect except for one arc, and we won't even talk about it, that coincidence. It's got the worst ending. His his run ends on the the shittiest of notes, but unfortunately, as I've gotten older, I've soured less on it um, because. I blame Joe Casada for that way more than I blame Straczynski, so it's just kind of yeah. like, well, it's yeah. more editorial, you can tell. Because, I yeah. mean, he left I mean, after that. He's, he's what, chairman of the, or CEO or something like that now? Um, I it, Now that I'm on the business side of comics, I'm a little more analytical and thoughtful of, like, why people do things rather than, like, whether they make me happy or not. Definitely. And, and like, yeah, the ending of one more one more one more day uh it opened up story possibilities for spider-man and 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 i i get it it made the character a little more accessible a little more relatable so like i get it was it a great move i don't know like you gotta there's there's multiple audiences in comics you got old readers you got potential readers you've got new readers you've got people who like mary jane who don't like mary jane um and like it's you're never gonna please everybody um Sales on the book were pretty good, in spite of what oh, they sure. did. So, so at, at least from a business standpoint, it was it was a good move. <clears throat> to, to some degree, I think Marvel does deserves a lot of credit for that book, if nothing else, because it's 15 years ago and we're talking about it still. Yep, <laughs> like Agre- people will talk about that comic book forever now. So it's like I don't know. I mean, obviously, like good or bad, it left an impact on people. They remember that fucking comic book. Yeah. So uh, as far as Nick Spencer stuff goes, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I think there's been moments where I've enjoyed it a lot. I, I, I'm i one of the few, I feel like people beat up Ryan Otley a lot. And I like Ryan Otley and that might partly be because 
he's local here and we, we've met him a few times, but I, I think his Spider-Man's great. I like the way he draws Spider-Man. So, um, and like I said, Nick Spencer, I, I've, I've enjoyed more of it than I haven't, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I read a lot of Marvel and like, that means I'm taking in a lot of comics that aren't stellar. Like, I mean like cream of the crop, like sometimes just good enough is good enough. And like, that's that's how I feel about Nick's run. It's it's yeah. it's it's entertaining. It's it's not stagnating. It's not bad. It's just yeah. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like mashed potatoes. It's, it, you know. <laughs> I'm definitely um, reading way it, more Marvel than DC at this point, and it just it it, it kind of for me it kind of fluctuates. I think I, I I started out as a pretty hardcore DC fan, but over the years it's kind of just it's become a fifty fifty for the and it's just kind of like which publisher is better at any given time because for whatever reason it seems oh, like yeah, they yeah. can they can never both be great at the same time one always has to be up the other has to be down and during the dc rebirth era i thought dc had a good couple years there where they were really the stronger of the two but marvel's definitely been the better the last year or two now yeah yeah marvel I th- like 20 2012 to 2015 2016 marvel was a little yeah they had a rough little, time a little lackluster like i mean I, I i loved all the initiatives they were doing like i'm all for incorporating new characters and and, and characters of color and queer characters stuff like oh that. definitely like, i have like none of that stuff that bothers a lot of people is what bothers See, me you know how dumb that is that you even have to say that though because like yeah because like that like group of assholes <laughs> have made such a big deal about it that you can't even criticize that era of comics anymore without like a disclaimer. A disclaimer, yeah. yeah. Like, like you have to be like, hey, I like Miles Morales. I like, I like, like Moon Girl, and I like Kamala Khan and stuff. Whatever. Yeah. But I have nah. this, this, and this problem. Like, that's so stupid that we even have to acknowledge that. That that would even be a complaint. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, for me, like, like I said earlier, like that's like the the beginning of that as the tail end of like sort of my golden era for Marvel, like mm-hmm. the stuff that I I grew up reading. Um, so like I don't know, like over the last few years, like I've looked forward less and less to Marvel and DC stuff, just because like I think at some point it starts to recycle and you start seeing stuff you've already seen. Definitely, like, it does. How many Daredevil versus the Hand stories can you read before you're bored, or Shield versus Hydra? You know, like you can always add new wrinkles, and like you know, Captain America still Captain America. Um, so like you know, the last few years, especially this year and last year, I found myself reading more indie stuff or more uh, franchise stuff that I've never read before. Like um, I'm reading the new GI Joe comic uh, that Paul Aller's doing with um, uh, oh, I'm not gonna say his name wrong, Chris, Chris. Using house oh that's that's not his last name is that what it's, idw does that book yeah um and it's like a like an alternate gi joe book it's a little more modern it's got a fresher sort of more current political climate take um but paul's paul's one of the guys who taught me how to write um and and so i, I read his stuff and it's just it's it's great like it's it's done as sort of a series of one shots that all tell the story over like a long period um and it's just creatively interesting like paul's a really good structuralist so there's a lot to take away from each issue um so i've been reading that i i started reading ninja turtles uh, a few years back and oh that's dude that ID that current IDW Ninja Turtles book is so goddamn good. Yeah. Oh. It's one of the only collected editions I have in hardcover. I have in one, I, me too. I have ten, <laughs> 10 seven foot tall bookshelves of trades and oh, good lord. And only two series collected in hardcover anymore. One is Turtles and the other is the Boom Power Rangers. Oh well because naturally, right? Yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, IDW is smart, man, because they they got up a bunch of the licenses and like obviously they they do some of their 
original stuff as well. Lock and Keys on Netflix now yeah. and good for them. And like Canto was huge this last year for IDW. But I, I listen, um, <laughs> David Boer, who who writes Canto, and Drew Zucker, who draws it, they're they're buddies of mine. And like uh, we, we, we did a podcast with the both of them right yeah. after issue one came out, and right after I read that first issue, I was like, guys, this is gonna be great. Like this is gonna yeah, be I, something I amazing. Love it. They're they're an incredible team. Oh yeah, but I mean, IDW is so smart though because they get like turtles and and they got GI Joe. They have Transformers. I think they have My Little Pony. They have Powerpuff. Oh yeah, they've got they've got the the Hasbro properties and uh, Ninja Turtles and a couple of other things. Interestingly though, they've they've lost some titles over the last few years. They have. Uh, um, and like there's, they've been going through a lot. Like I don't sure. want to make it sound direct, but like they've been restructuring and they tried to do like a media thing for a long time. They're losing money. Um, but IDW, I think is one, like regardless of like whatever financial situation they have, I think they're one of the companies that's still telling really great stories. And this last year, um, 2019, like they really had a big renaissance with creator owned stuff with Canto and, um, uh, oh God, uh, wrote a bones from Rich Duick and, uh, Alex McCormick, um, and just, or Cormick, uh, it just, there's such really good titles coming out of there. And then, uh, Rich just announced a new book with them coming out this year called CSR. I mean, there's, I think that's where you want to keep your eye on at IDW is the, the creator own stuff. Sure. So. I think, I think boom as well. Look at like something's killing the children that boom is doing. And then what's the other uh, Kieran Gillen book? Uh, uh, once in future, once in future, like both of those took off like crazy and it was like, Oh, good for boom. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing really good stuff. I mean, boom has been my favorite publisher and I, I, I don't say this for any reason other than the fact that it's the truth. Um, but they just, I think they have, a weird space like uh like all of their books or almost all their books fit into like something that's slightly more old than like a ya level book but not quite like a mature book Mm -hmm. but they still find a way to tell like really good stories like the the buffy book is really good um it's it's almost like everything is like teen titans but like in a different genre i think boom puts out like the nicest quality of books too like yeah they're 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 covers like they're that little thicker paper like their, their books are just like, like, like the like night cover of dead end kids one what? <laughs> like, even yeah. just their single issues are um, yeah like like they just oh yeah i mean like, like the power rangers like hard covers like that that shattered grid hard cover they did is so nicely bound and like like just yeah. the book itself the quality of the book is so good well and even even more than that like quality control on the individual volumes and stuff is really good. Like one of the things that pisses me off the most is when like you get like three trades from a series and the spines are all jacked up and they're not even. Mm -hmm. And like DC is really bad about changing their spines and not keeping things. Dude. Yeah. It's no way. I can't even, I can't even explain. Yeah. That like, if you're collecting, like if you're buying all the trades of like, Oh, I'm going to buy all of Tom King's Batman. All the trades don't match. that is one of the ones on my shelf that pisses me off the most. Oh. So I, I get you. Boom is much better about that. I think within reason, there's some variation because um, yeah, it's never going to be perfect. And there's some production reasons for why some things change. Like, but other other than that, like I think they've got a really high level of of, of quality and and control over that quality that other publishers, I, I guess, can't be bothered to to do with because obviously it's possible. Sure. So let's talk about no heroin a little bit. Obviously, the reason that you're here because yeah. because we, we could sit here and talk about all. The, I I could just talk geek comics <laughs> forever, and then we would never even mention your book. And they'd like, oh crap! Well, that was a waste of your time, and I apologize. Um, ah, so 
No Heroin is it's coming out this summer, right? Yeah, it's uh, we just submitted everything, so it's uh, it's the middle of February at this point. Yeah. We just submitted everything to Diamond last week. Okay. Um, so it's it's going to be in the April previews for a release starting in June, and it'll run June, July, and August. Okay, so it's a three. That's what I was going to ask you. It's a, so it's only a three issue series then. Yeah, I okay. uh, I when I was writing Dead End Kids, I uh, I opted for a three issue structure because. Well, for a lot of reasons. One, because it was way cheaper to make on my end. Like, comics are not cheap to make. Oh, no. Uh, and there's but, not a lot but, of money in them either, so. Yeah. Um, but more more so than that, like, I, I had to take, like, a real look and be like, all right, I had grief come out. I've got some some people who like my work because of that. And, you know, some shops will pick this up on on speculation and, and a whole list of reasons why this could work. But, you know, just being real with myself and having managed expectations, like I'd much rather ask a reader to invest $12 in my story than 16 or, or 20 mm-hmm. out of five issue miniseries. Like they don't know who I am. They don't know what they're getting. Um, you know, it, it worked out, I guess. People seem to really have liked the book. Um, so, but I, I just, I like the three issue format. I think it's a little different. It's a little more surprising because like people are sort of used to the four issue five issue six issue beats so like when i don't know i I just like to switch it up and be mindful of like the people who are actually buying the book and ordering the book like indie books are high risk for retailers like there's no guarantee they're going to sell most indie retailers or indie publishers don't have returnability um so like whatever i can do to mitigate risk and also make it less expensive for me is a win do you get a little pushback on stuff like that though from like the publisher to do a three issue because it's like that doesn't really make for much of a trade no um, no? Okay. Source, so, That's actually good point, to hear. SourcePoint is incredibly good about um, letting creators like do the book the way they wanted to do it. Like I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I've said it a million times out loud in public already. Um, <laughs> when I pitched the Dead End Kids, it was done. Like I had the final lettered pages and it was ready to go to print. And then I pitched it and I'm pretty sure no one at SourcePoint Press ever read it. Like they just... They knew who I was. They they knew grief, um, and they knew that when I go to shows, I I work their booth and I hustle. Like they just had enough faith in me and like my drive to say, okay, we'll do it. Um, so like, so you didn't you know, have an editor or anything. Uh, I had editorial help. Um, I actually wrote Dead End Kids as part of a project for a uh, comics writing class that I took with with Paul Aller. Okay. Um, it was a class on miniseries. I'm very very pro like education and like bettering myself so i take uh, classes pretty regularly um and that just happened to be a project i was working on and like the the end result of the class was a pretty decent miniseries so i was like all right let's let's roll with this um so paul as an instructor um gave some editorial feedback i generally edit my own stuff um it's it's one way to, to keep things a little bit cheaper on my end and make the process a little faster if i'm managing like the editorial side of it um that that said uh on the next few projects uh the ones for next year and beyond i will be using an editor just because i'm doing more than one book at a time now so it's more on the project management side uh than than necessarily the edit editing side but um I, yeah i don't i don't really use editors i have like a nice group of people whose opinions i really trust who I send my stuff to for feedback and, okay. and that they're sort, they're sort of my editors. Um, like uh, David Peppos, who did uh, Spencer and Locke and uh, Going to the Chapel, which just wrapped up last week. Um, he's, he's a good buddy of mine and, and we knock stuff back and forth all the time. Um, a buddy of mine named David, uh, who, who came up through comics experience classes with me, is another one. Um, sometimes Andy Schmidt 
who um, runs Comics Experience and is is involved with uh, he used to work at Marvel and stuff. Like I, I just I don't know. I if you build a good support I, system, you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I think that. I, I, I am pro learning and I absolutely would work with a story editor. Um, and, and I definitely am going to be working with an editor for project management reasons moving forward. Uh, but so far I, I had sort of like minor editing input. Um, so I don't know if that's like incredibly arrogant of me or <laughs> like kind of scary or, or what, but that's just sort of how things have gone so far. Um, and that's true for grief. That's true for dead end kids. It's true for no heroin. It's true for, Dead End Kids 2, which I'm writing right now, um, not to get too far ahead of us, but uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know even what the question was anymore. <laughs> so um, Frank was like, was nice enough to let Mary and I read the first issue of No Heroin uh, early, yes. which was great. We both read it uh, before talking to you today. And um, yeah, I, I really dug it, man. I got to tell you, it's, it's got a cool vibe. It does. It's got a really cool vibe. For, I mean, first of all, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll give you some praise here in a minute. But the but the look of the book itself is gorgeous. I love the coloring was was really good, and just yeah, like the whole the whole feel of the book. I I really dug the artwork. I I loved it. It's uh it's super different, and that was kind of the idea. Um, like I did Dead End Kids and I did Grief, and and with those books. I worked with the same artist for one and a half of the total content of those two books. Um, so like, I just was trying to like branch out a little bit and, and try something new. Um, the book is a lot more action heavy than, uh, dead and kids was and that the stories in grief are. Um, so like it's, it was just, I'm, I'm still pretty young in my career. I've only been doing it. Like I'll, it'll be four years ago in April that I wrote my first comic script. So like, this is, I mean, I'm still get, I'm still learning. Oh, yeah. um, I'm still trying lots of new things. Um, and uh, this this was that this was a uh, this was this was a lot of things for me. I, I'm a big Buffy fan. Um, if if you couldn't tell by oh like, sure oh I definitely of, could <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say Buffy like even more so than comics. Like early in my life was a huge like I, I watched Buffy and that made me want to tell stories. I loved comics, but Buffy made me want to tell stories. Um, and uh, so this is sort of like my love letter to it. But I didn't want to like ape Buffy and, and just tell another chosen one kind of vampire fighter story. So um, you don't need Joss Whedon sort of, sending you any angry letters or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, if Joss sent me an angry letter, I'd frame it and <laughs> and, and then cease and desist. But I respect I would, that. Yeah, I mean, listen. If I wasn't like secretly hoping this was like a backdoor way to like write a Buffy one shot one day, I'd I'd be lying. But um, I, I don't know. It's like I said, it's it's my love letter to Buffy. But I also wanted to do sort of my own thing. Like I don't like everything I write. I try to bring like my own life experience to and my own sort of like storytelling sensibility. Like you guys have seen enough of myself now. Like I write pretty dark, somewhat tragic, like mm-hmm. more yeah. real to life than genre type stuff um so this is that it's it's what if buffy the vampire slayer was also a recovering heroin addict like you know it's it's definitely it's definitely a take that i don't think anyone's seen before definitely not i know i haven't i know i've noticed that i'm i'm paying a lot more attention to colorists lately just because they do impact the book so heavily and yeah the, the colors were the first thing that really stuck out to me about this book um, you know, it's 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 interesting. Um, uh, on art, we've got Chris Mad, who uh, did the covers for Dead End Kids. 
the main colors, the yellow, blue, and red. Um, and uh, he's a buddy of mine from way back when I lived in New Jersey. We shared a comic shop. Um, and uh, when I when I like working with somebody, I try to like bogart them for life. So like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to keep working with Nanad from Dead End Kids and Grief Forever. I'm going to keep working with uh, Chris Forever, Ahmed, who's doing the covers for No Heroin. I'm doing a one shot with now behind the scenes. Like I just. I don't know. I, I just want to keep make comics so I can keep paying my friends to make comics. Oh, yeah. um, but uh, so we've got Chris on art and he's doing uh, this is my first time ever working with a traditional artist. Um, he's penciling on, you know, broadsheets and then inking them himself, scanning them in. And then uh, his daughter is actually coloring it, Shauna. Um, so it's it's a, a daddy daughter team, which I, I noticed the awesome. same last names, but I didn't know uh, what the connection was there. Yeah, um, and it's what's really cool about it is Chris and I have like a pretty good communication path because he's he's one of the first artists I've ever worked with who's lived in the U.S. and was a native English speaker. That's just sort of the reality of making comics these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew him before we started collaborating, so like it's been a very collaborative. We talk on the phone kind of thing, um, but also having Shauna in the mix like him being able to communicate directly with her all the time and them to bounce ideas off of one another. Like it's just been a weirdly smooth ride and I'm waiting for like the, the other shoe to drop. Is that the expression? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I think um, that's so, it. That's got it. It's, it's close. If it's not there, it's close. Wait, waiting for the boot to have gravity affected. I, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> yeah, much worse. People, people get the gist, right? You get what we're trying to say. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, it's been really good. And I personally like not to call anyone out or to say I think less of anyone in the process of making comics, but colors are my favorite part. Um, like this is a very bad analogy, but it's the only one I've got. Like the colors makes the difference between a page being a coloring book page and like being a finished comic page. I would agree. Uh, and like that's obviously not the entire truth, but like it's on some level it's true. Like, I mean – even black and white co- comics have like some shading and stuff like, and that's the stuff that colorists tend to, to do. I just think there's so many people that are really starting to push the boundary and, and get creative with the colors. It's like, they don't have to just be there. They, they can be a part of it and really stand out and be a part of the vibe of the book. And oh, I think, yeah. I think when you look at a book like like Blackbird and like what Jen Bartel was able to do in that book and stuff, it's just like holy crap! I did I've never seen anybody do that with colors before. Yeah, we might actually be the same person. Jen <laughs> Jen is Jen is one of my absolute favorite artists, and She's for her amazing. color, work. She's great. she actually almost did a Dead End Kids variant last year. Uh, oh. We just couldn't we couldn't get our schedules to line up. She was going to do the the New York variant. We ended up having like a really sweet New York variant anyway. But uh, that's she's on my bucket list, and then. Like we started talking around uh, San Diego last year, and then she won in Eisner, and then 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 we well, stopped talking. <laughs> I I want to meet her so badly. She's she's on my bucket list of people just to get to talk to at some point because I love her Twitter. I find it so educational. I love the way she uses her Twitter to like explain the comics industry and just explain art to people that aren't familiar with the way certain things work. I've always find it really intriguing. And just seeing, obviously, her work that she posts is just like, oh, my God, man, how do you do that? Yeah, no, I, I am honestly like an atypical comics creator. Like I haven't had a lot of room to experiment yet, but the things that interest me in comics are are a little more boundary pushing than like what you would see in a Marvel comic. Like uh, you saw the cover for No Heroin number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's 
a stylized take um, that Ahmed and I sort of kicked around and developed that's going to be across all three covers um, to some variation or another. And like, I'm just interested in seeing like what else it can do. I read an interview with Jonathan Hickman a long time ago about where he thought color theory in comics was going to go. And like, if you look at some of his early work, like uh, Pax Romano or uh, what's the other one, oh, it's going to skip me, but like, uh, uh, oh, what is it? Ah, damn it. I lost it. Red wing, red wing. Um, like the coloring in those books is more thematic than it is realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, um, and like, you can see that in a lot of his work, like he's always got like, like super pale white characters. Um, he's usually has like a sh- one strong dominant color in a palette, especially like on his covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's the kind of stuff that's a little more interesting to me. Like, I think that comics are a visual medium and like making them look realistic is almost like making them out of mud. Like what's the point? Like I would so agree. I've, I have stood on that Hill many a times myself. Yeah. I mean like, I'm trying to think like I know people who can like render flesh tones that look realistic. And I think that's absolutely impressive, but it's, it's like when you get that close to reality, it's almost so easy to overlook. Like it just, it just blends. Um, Again, I'll also so like, admit that I'm a hypocrite though, because I also really enjoy when like Salvador La Roca does anything with Star Wars and it's like, oh, Han Solo looks like Harrison Ford. Like, I don't know, but it's like a little <laughs> that photorealism. But for some reason, when it's like superhero comics, I don't want them to look like real people. I don't know. It, it's I, I guess I kind of play both sides in that sense. Yeah, I, well, I think your vi- mileage varies, right? Like it depends on like what it's being used for. I think with the Star Wars comics in particular, it serves a purpose to make them photorealistic and and to not stand out in like a way that pushes boundaries because you want them to have a consistent branding with the movies and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense yeah i just i just think like we were talking earlier i just think that the colors play such a big part of the tone and the way the book reads it it's like we mentioned tom king earlier and we brought up vision but i i really dug uh mr miracle that he did with mitch garrett's with dc and I, I think the way Mitch Garrett's does colors in that book, I'm like, if, if that book is colored in a different way or whatever, I don't think that book works this in the same way. Like, I think it plays that big of a role. You know, Mr. Mr. Miracle is a funny one. Like, I, I, I remember reading it and liking it a lot. And then, like, as soon as I was done reading it, I couldn't remember what I read, but I could remember how it made me feel, <laughs> which not a lot of books have that effect. And then I went back and I reread it with sort of more of an analytical eye. Like I do a lot of like annotating of, of other people's work so I can learn. Um, and what I realized is like it's 12 issues long and there's almost no story. Like that's not to say that there's not a story told, but like the each issue is like a very small amount of story told in a very incredible way every single time and in a different way. And like the color is very much a part of that. The structures Tom King uses are very much a part of that. Um, the sort of like narrative tricks that he uses are, are part of that. But like, if you go and like pick like issue six and, and write down what happened, it's probably like two or three sentences worth of plot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. And it's very dialogue Which, heavy and it, but it works. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it was one of my favorite books of, of was that last year, two years ago now? It was and 2017 very, through 2018, because it, it was a 12-issue thing, so it fin- yeah, no, finished it was, in 2018. And I'm, I'm super looking forward to, um, oh, what's the new one? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Strange Adventures, I do an Adam Yeah, Strange Adventures. 
I'm not a big DC guy, so I'm still a little rusty. But uh, yeah, no, like anything sure. Tom touches, like I'll give a try. Like even as Batman, like I found a lot of value in his Batman, even up to the end. Like I know a lot of people were a little, you know, bored and 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 sort of like felt like it was drawn out but like i feel like every issue really had something to it um but then i'm always looking for something in there because i want to learn i think tom king is an insanely talented writer that sometimes isn't as good as his talent would say he should be the way he executes certain things but i i think things like vision and mr miracle and like sheriff of babylon whatever i think those are like perfection comics but so like he he hits those highs for me but i'll admit like there's other things where i'm like i don't know about this i don't know about that so i i don't know i i liked him a lot more i think coming out of the gate when he was first uh kind of getting really big and whatever and then with batman i was kind of along for the ride for a while but there there hit a point where i was kind of like i don't know about this anymore <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, Tom and Mitch actually uh, did like the book club at my local shop here in San Francisco, Comics oh, that's Experience. Amazing. Um, so I got to talk with them a little bit, and then there was like a Q and A with with them, and and like he got into it, and like you know, he he said like, listen, here's the thing, I've I've got a family. Um, comics is freelance, so there's no health insurance, there's no job security. Mm-hmm. He's on a contract, so he has a little bit of those things. But at the end of the day, like, you know, when you're grinding out two full length comics a month, sometimes you just gotta gotta put it out. Like sometimes good enough is good enough. Like you can't make it your your magnum opus. It, it, not everything needs to be Watchmen, and and, and oh, like sure. you know, I, I I agree with him to that extent, and I I definitely agree with the criticism that some of the Batman stuff fell a little flat. Um, but again. Yeah, you know, like when you're grinding that hard, putting out that much content while you're also doing Mr. Miracle, like you only have so much love to give, right? Definitely. And and Mr. Miracle, it's like just a giant Jack Kirby tribute and I'm all about that. So it's like, you know what? I, I love the hell out of this. Um, So no heroin is, I say, I don't, I mean, you, you kind of summed it up kind of there in your pitch, right? In your, in your, yeah. your Buffy with a little bit of edge and drugs to it. Cause it's like, I don't want to give any of it away, but um, I don't know. What, what would you kind of tell people, I guess to expand a little bit more to get people to kind of like why they should check yeah. this book out. Um, all right. So uh, the, the book is about a, a young woman named Kayla. Who, I love uh, her design by the way. I, I don't she, know why it's just a very striking was- visual. I don't know. She she is the dopest, and she is super awesome for covers. We have a bunch of variants that I haven't like announced or shown anyone yet, and like people are having a ton of fun drawing her. Um, but uh, so yeah, Kayla is she's she's a young woman, and um, like there's like no no like better there's no good way to put it. She's she's a piece of shit. She's like a bad person, um, and she's she's a recovering drug addict, and she her only goal in life is to be sober enough long enough that her mom lets her come home, um, which is sort of a common thing among, you know, recovering drug addicts who, who end up homeless. And, mm-hmm. and this, this is stuff that I've seen in my own life with friends and family. And I, re- I really wanted to draw on that. Um, but like at the end of the day, Kayla's not a very good person. Like she, she, and she gets sucked into this sort of suicide mission to save her friend, Sid, who is, Sid's, Sid's a fellow recovering heroin addict who is a little further along than her, who has the structure in his life to take care of himself, and he sort of takes her under his wing. Um, and then you know, she's able to get this far with his help, and then he goes missing. And 
she sort of struggles to 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 keep her head above water, um, staying sober and, and sticking to her guns. Um, and when she finds out that he's something's happened and he's fall, fallen prey to the local drug dealing gang that is also vampires, um, she has to sort of go on the suicide mission to save him. But the only reason she really wants to save him is because she's afraid that she'll fail without him. So it's not like this grand altruistic so it's kind of based in selfishness then yeah. exactly yeah it's she's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons which is like at several levels of the book that's true like she's only staying clean because she wants to go home she's only saving sid or trying to save sid because she needs his help um it's it's all very selfish and like that's like um, so like I mentioned that both of my parents struggled with drugs. Um, but when I was growing up, I had, uh, three very good friends who, uh, the kids in dead and kids are actually modeled after uh, my, my brother, Harry, my brother, Joey, and my cousin, Tom, we were all about the same age, um, all in the same grade. And we, you know, we, we were the kids for dead end kids. Like we, we played in the woods, we, we hung out. Um, and when we got a little bit older, uh, Tom and Joey, um, really ended up getting into some like really hard stuff like um you know dealing and and and, and using heroin um go in and out of jail and rehab um and that's that's honestly been the cycle for like the last almost 20 years of our lives uh you know, the, the, it's yeah and it, and it's honestly a lot more common than like yeah most people realize especially I think you i think the book is relatable in that sense though because i think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that hasn't encountered that either themselves or with a family member or a friend or like most people have dealt with some form of addiction mm. through somebody they know or in their own life i think yeah no i i definitely i mean it's it's sad that it's universal um but, but it's uh, also human though right like to some yeah. to some degree absolutely um and like I don't know when I sit down to write something, whether it's grief or deading kids or, or no heroin or anything else that I end up writing down the line, like it never starts as like a vampire story or, or a murder mystery. It always starts with like a very human problem. So, so in dead end kids, it was, it was never about the book is not about a murder mystery. Like it's, there's one in it, but it really is about childhood trauma and, and the question of do the things that, that fuck you up as a kid, fuck you up as an adult too. It becomes kind of the vehicle for it, right? The, yeah. the, the mystery is sort of just the vehicle for what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so with no heroin, it's, it's very much the same thing. Like I, I've seen a lot of people in my life really struggle with addiction and, um, we, there's sort of three phases to, to to drug addiction. There's there's like the the part where you begin using drugs and you're addicted, and there's the part where you are in rehabilitation, and then the the third act is 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 recovery. Um, and it either is a cycle or a straight line. You either cycle back to addiction, or you stay clean. Um, like I, I don't have a statistic off the top of my head, but it's something like ninety plus percent of people end up having it be a cycle. Um, and I've watched a lot of people sort of tumble around in that cycle over and over and over again. Um, and 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 sort of pop culture and 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 the broader media of TV and movies and novels and stuff like we we do get a lot of narratives about the addiction part, and we do get a lot of narratives about the rehabilitation part. You know, people go to jail, people go to rehab, but we don't really see a whole lot talking about uh the recovery part and like for me like in my experiences dealing with people who've, who've gone through this that's that's probably the hardest part mm -hmm. uh, 
when when you're when you're on drugs and and like you, you don't give a fuck like you, you you don't need structure it doesn't matter um and then all of a sudden you get arrested or you get put in rehab by court order or whatever like you have this structure imposed upon you like you don't have a choice um and and you know you can be successful when people are doing things for you um but then essentially you get out of jail or you get out of rehab and you know you've alienated your family maybe to the point where they don't want anything to do with you as in kayla's case um but you also get out and you don't have anyone forcing the structure on you anymore and like every single day is like a war with yourself to do the right thing and like to be better than you used to be um and like that's that's just the kind of thing that I wanted to ex- explore in this because we don't we don't see those kinds of narratives very much. Um, and I think that it's it's it flies too far under the radar. Like these are people who in society get super demonized because they have a disease and because they truly have done bad things in their life. It's a very gray thing, but we tend to sort of write these people off as junkies and and, and hopeless and they're just going to cycle back again and um i wanted to sort of write the, the sort of middle take yeah kayla's a bad person she's done a lot of shitty things and she's going to do more shitty things but she also does want to do the right thing on some level and she is trying she just doesn't know how to do it the right way mm-hmm. she's and and you know like I said, it's at every level of the story. Like the the plot itself is about her trying to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. She's, you know, on an inner level trying to do the right thing, but going about it the wrong way. Um, and I just thought that like that was a really unique angle that was that was kind of fun to explore. Like it, no, fun's not the right word for it, but she's she's like I said, she's she's a piece of shit. But um, <laughs> you, you can't help but root for her a little bit because you. You, you, you get invested in her in a weird way and you want to see her succeed and it does not go well for anybody. <laughs> I'm really excited to see her journey. Um, we're, we'll be keeping a close eye on it make sure once the, the actual solicitations come out that we can share and, and post and make sure everybody can uh, go go pre-order this book, go add it to your pull box, your hold, whatever. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. I, I really dug the first issue and I definitely think it's worth your time. Appreciate so, that. Um, before I let you go, I, I I I do gotta I do gotta hit you up about Power Rangers here a little bit because it'll bug me if I don't. Let's do it. That I got you here. <laughs> I'm gonna trust Mary to keep me somewhat in check if I go out because if not, then we'd be here till three in the morning and like, well, I guess we should probably get sleep at some point. Um, so there are a few, very few franchises that are as near and dear to my heart as as Power Rangers is, um, and. It's it's crazy because I know how rabid the fan base can be, but I don't personally know a lot of them, and so it's always so exciting to me to like find somebody that loves Power Rangers. Just like I, I don't really get to have these conversations very much, so it just gets kind of pent up. Yeah, no, I, I get it. L- luckily, I have a couple outlets, but no, I, I up until a few years ago, like that was that was sort of my existence, and now they've sort of had a resurgence, especially with the Boom comic and, and, oh, and the yeah. movie a couple years ago. So I, I totally understand. I mean, God, I've you know I spent so much money and buying all that legacy stuff when they put it back out, all the you know the dragon daggers and the mm. the helmets and the you know the different power coin sets and morphers and stuff. Um, so just to have stuff. it all ripped away from you. <sighs> it's all just sitting on a shelf, and it looks real pretty. But uh, I, um, I mean, I guess you brought up the movie. What were your What were your thoughts on the Lionsgate movie? Fuck, man, I I, <laughs> I loved it as a movie. It just wasn't the best Power Rangers movie. 
Like I thought that like as far as teen dramas go, like I thought mm. that like they were breaching some really important topics. I thought like the focus the cat the cast was excellent. Um the suits were dumb. The the Zords looked dumb. Yeah. Rita was not particularly well realized. Um I really like the uh, Elizabeth Banks casting choice though for Rita. I just don't know if it was like you said, realized as well as it could have been. Well, they, they, they leaned a little too much into the camp, I think, um, mm-hmm. rather than making her actually menacing, um, which whatever, like it's the one thing I always have to remind people who like Power Rangers is that it is for kids. Like, you know, this is the yeah. equivalent of somebody being a fan of SpongeBob. Like exactly. it's the end of the like, day. It's nope. for kids. It's just yeah, nostalgia. Which, so it's you, you, it feels different because you look back on it never being the coolest thing, but it's like, yeah, it is. It's at, at the end of the day, it's, it's childlike. It's, it's not even for kids. It's for like little kids. Yeah. It's target audience is like five to seven year olds. Right. Well, you know, I, I think that that's true and not true. Like I've been, uh, for the better part of the last two years rewatching everything. Um, so right now I'm up to, uh, I'm watching, uh, SPD. Um, so I've been, you know, while, while I work out at the gym on the elliptical and then just a few episodes a night here and there with my wife, uh, I've been catching up and like a couple of things have really stood out to me. Like there, there, there is an incredibly deep and, and layered lore that's built up over. I mean, when you have 16 to 26 seasons of content to oh, do that, yeah, like, yeah it, that, 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 that tends to happen, but there's, there's also some pretty good stuff in there like i mean wild force is not one of my favorite seasons but i think like there's i mean there's an incredibly valuable message about like not destroying the planet in there mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's told with a sophistication um the early, you get the uh, forever red episode and in, in wild yeah, force yeah. too right so well, and you get the the time force uh team up episode which oh, i think right. which i think is one of the best team up episodes because jen scott's in a leather get up looking badass as hell is something that I would leave my wife for. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Lionsgate movie is like one or two decisions away from being awesome. Yeah. It's so clear. I think you're 100% right. The the thing I have the hardest time with is I think like one of the things I liked about it is one of the like things that makes it fail because I like – the fact that they took so much time to develop those characters and build the chemistry of them all so much that like it meant so much more to see them come together the way that they did finally because you felt yeah. that moment. But at the same time, when you go to see a movie called Power Rangers, and especially if you're taking your kids to go see this movie and they're only Power Rangers for the last 20 minutes of the movie, that's a fuck up, man. Like, Yeah. we it, th- th- There should have been... There should have been a fight somewhere with the putties earlier and then they could have fought Rita at the end or, or some other version of that where it's like, God, we, we shouldn't have had to wait so long to see them in the suits and see them morph. Like, but I get what they were trying to build because in, in that version of the story, it was like, no, you can't just morph. You have to kind of earn it. They had to all be connected on to the grid and, and the way that they were with yeah. each other, which I, see, kinda, I, I dug I, that I, choice. There, there's a there's a backdoor way that I've thought about a lot to do the same thing while having them in the suits earlier, right? So the, they couldn't morph because they weren't like working as a team. All right, fine. What if instead they could morph, but they couldn't form the Megazord until they learned how to work as a team? Because that's literally go. them coming together. And you want to be like, like that, a writer or something. Man, yeah, I know. You should uh, really think you about get, that. You get them in the suit earlier. 
and then you raise the stakes because you know Goldar shows up and they can't make the fucking Megazord. Plus that Goldar blows, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I appreciate it. It was not great, but it's essentially a corrupted Megazord, right? Like if you look at that next to the design of the other Megazord, it's two metal things with wings that are almost the exact same shape. That Megazord kind of blows too. <laughs> yeah, no, but, I mean, it's it's just it looks like a transformer. Like a lot yeah. of the parts are indistinct. Like and you lose like the different elements and like also like the the color designs like there's a lot of black in there mm-hmm. and like just highlights of the color so like it's it's, it's muddy. Um, no, I mean I think that movie with a different writer and a different production designer would have been a home run. Like I don't know who did those parts on the movie and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they did a bad job. I'm saying that for me personally, my taste, those are the those are the two parts where I think that it it didn't. It, it wasn't a ten for me because of those things. I like the cast. Horrified. I thought I thought the cast was was really good. Actually, I didn't disagree with any of it. I thought all the Rangers were really good. They they weren't just carbon copies of the the original versions from the show. They 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 just kind of took the names Had and kind of tweaked them. Yeah, which I really yeah. enjoyed because no one wants to see. You know, it's like it, it, you're not gonna be like Austin St. John, so don't try to be right. Yeah. Um, but. I think, yeah, man, it, the the Goldar thing. It's like the why why couldn't it have just been like a big monster thing? Why call it Goldar? Like it, I, that, that's it's made that's, of gold, man. That sucks, though. Yeah, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, like if you want to just fight like this big like generic monster thing, then just don't call it anything. But like the fact that you slapped Goldar on there, it's like, dude, that feels like such a slap in the face. That's the camp, though. <laughs> like, oh. I mean, like. And like the product placement, the Krispy Kreme. I mean, like, that was great. that's one of the best product placements in a movie I've ever seen. Yeah, like the, like I've never seen. I, I I don't want to take credit for this joke because somebody else did it first when the movie was coming out. But somebody was saying like I've never seen a movie where a product placement could be considered a spoiler. <laughs> like <laughs> it's part of the plot. True, and if you look at that against like something like the the Ninja Turtle movies that came out a few years ago, the Michael Bay yeah. franchise, like. <laughs> That they had so many product placements like orange soda. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Domino's? Like Pizza I mean, like Hut, it just, I think uh, yeah, because Pizza Hut and, and did like, the big turtles boxes you could get. Yeah. Which that one's just like a no brainer, right? You got to have a pizza endorsement for a Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't Papa John. Oh, I had yeah, no yeah, idea they, they had God. a pizza endorsement. I had no idea. I, I don't notice product placements. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, like we, that whole then, then year, if you bought Pizza Hut, they had like Ninja Turtles on the box, on the pizza <laughs> box and stuff. I never noticed you, that. Yeah, well, I, is, is it good or bad if you don't notice the product placements? Because on the know. one hand, like that means they're seamless, right? But on the other hand, maybe you're missing them. But on the other <laughs> hand, it means that they wasted their money because you're not noticing the product. Yeah. <laughs> like they want you to notice the product, right? Isn't that the point? <laughs> Yeah, guess it's uh, not a product I cared about. So uh, let me ask you about Power Rangers now. Oh, since, since we're talking about the 2017 movie, sure. Are you sort of up on on like what's rumored to be the plot or some of the plot of the the forthcoming Hasbro take? I so I'm not so. Are you that trying really, to avoid it? I, I don't want to ruin I, it. For I, it. I, well, I mean, no, I I don't really care about it. I mean, I don't get spoiled by stuff like that. But I'm not someone that really follows the rumor mill so much. Okay. So I'm not really aware. I mean, I know obviously that Hasbro said that movie plans were were coming and that they weren't gonna pursue a, a sequel of the of the Lionsgate mm. film, which is probably for the best. Just give it a clean Do slate a and go. But I haven't heard anything as far as like what they wanted to do with it or what their plans were 
All right. Uh, there's a time travel element that will land whoever oh. the the kids end up being in the 90s, allegedly. <gasps> yes. Oh. Um, so, I, I mean, in I have a lot of ideas about how that could work and how that could not work. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll leave it at that. One more thing about the 2017 movie. Say sure. anything you want about it, and, and there's a lot to say, but the one thing we did get out of it is Ryan Parrott, who is writing the, the, the comics at Boom. Oh, yeah. He his first job at Boom was to write the tie-in comic for the movie. Oh, and that's okay. how he ended up getting the gig later for GoGo and now for Mighty Morphin. So at the very least, you know, butterfly effect. We, we we got really good Power Rangers comics in the long run because of the movie. You know, you know the movie I want them to do. This is this is my dream scenario, and and, and this isn't completely original because I've seen a couple other people. Uh, pitch this as well the movie i want especially in a post like spider-man into the spider-verse type world i want an animated shattered grid movie that's what i want because because you can get all because other than trini all the actors are basically available and you don't have to worry about the fact that they've aged because you can do it animated and you could you could put some money into it don't do some like straight to dvd you know (laughs) I mean, do, do do a legit. I think I thought Shatter Grid was like the coolest piece of like here's your childhood while also being something so original. It was everything you ever. It, it Shatter Grid was as cool as you remembered Power Rangers being. Like, because when you yeah. go back and watch like the old Mighty Morphin shows, there's a nostalgia for it there. But you're like, oh man, this is it. Like, it's not as intense as it as it was to me when I was five. Like Shatter this Grid is, not- is like the capture of that. And that that's the movie yeah, no, I absolutely. want. I I agree, but I think it would have to be earned and it couldn't be like the out the gate movie. Like if they're gonna fair. do it animated, I would like to see it done as an animated series, not a movie. Oh. Um, like in the vein of like, like a Netflix like a, series or something. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like what they did with Voltron at Netflix is is incredible. Oh Give yeah, me that, this, that animation was great too. They didn't cut corners there. Yeah. And I mean, the storytelling was top notch too. like everything, like things had consequences. They dealt with real topics. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's, I mean, but that's essentially like what the comic is doing, right? Like you just, just translate the comic in yeah. order. Um, and then like throw in the appropriate, like animated versions of the episodes that they skip over that are important. Like yeah. green. Cause like, who's, who's going to say no. Right. Like, like Hasbro. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know, man, if there was enough, Hasbro, I mean, they did. They've done like My Little Pony animated movies and stuff. That that actually was a pretty good movie, to be honest with you. But um, yeah. don't like, don't 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 get get me wrong. Like, if they do a movie and it, it it's another Transformers, like it, it busts a billion dollars on the first go, like you will have Power Rangers animated TV shows, oh, do, no doubt. And, and they will be on Nickelodeon. And with them get, being owned by Hasbro, the the Power Rangers versus Transformers thing is only a matter of time, right? Yeah, that just, that just feels like Megazord versus Optimus Prime is is coming at some point. So which they, I'm all here for. Is it who, IDW just announced Transformers versus Terminator, which is this the the mashup book I did not know I wanted. Like, I am so I'm so against mashup books. Like I think that they're they're just cash grabs and and they they tend to have not good stories. Oh and like, man, you're not are you not reading Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers? No, I, that that's that's one that I am. But there's a precedent oh, for that. That one's Power great though. 
It, yeah, a, but but I mean, it's not connected to that though. No, no, it's not. But it's it's but it's Ryan and it's Boom and it's Power Rangers and it's Ninja Turtles. That those are four of my five favorite things after Shrimp. I really dug the <laughs> the, the Power Rangers Justice League one that Tom Taylor wrote a couple years ago. It, it I thought it was better than it had any right to be. To be honest I, with you, you know what? That that's true. It it didn't blow my mind, but it was definitely better than I but thought. But it was it would. fun. But like yeah, as far yeah. as the actors go, if you're doing anime stuff, like who's gonna say no? Like the, like like Jason David Frank has made a career out of being the yeah, guy no, that I mean, was in Power Rangers. He's probably pitching this while we talk. Oh, yeah. yeah, and like I mean, all those guys. That's basically their careers at this point. I mean, some of them have little side projects they do, but most of them just travel the con circuits and be like, "Yeah, I was the guy in Power Rangers." So you're and, you're gonna run into some problems eventually, though. Like Cole from Wild Force is in jail, so you can't get him back. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Pua, not not all of the Rangers have to Ninja have Storm's so dead. much screen time or no, or I think or you, dialogue. Five five recognizable voices. You know, Jason David Frank, Austin St. John, uh, the, the, the main maybe, the main staples, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, like if you're doing Shattered Grid, like you really just need the main team voice cast. The exactly. rest of them, like I mean, I, I watch the the. Uh, DC animated movies when they come out you know, a couple times a year, yeah. and like it never bothers me that um, Kevin Conroy doesn't voice Batman every time. Like, no, it doesn't it bother just... me either. It's always a joy when he does, but I'm not disappointed if he doesn't. And and some of the, like, I mean, some of the the casting is pretty inspired. Like David Boreanaz did, uh, who who was Angel on Buffy, did um, Hal Jordan for mm-hmm. for was it New Frontier maybe? Um, like I mean, like just there, there's there's plenty of talent, and like the the voice acting world is is got deep bench of like really talented people like I, I, I think listen we're on to something really big here let's talk offline i know <laughs> some people boom i know a guy used to work at hasbro maybe, maybe we can make this work we gotta i mean i mean that that's gotta be where this road leads for you at some point right is you're gonna be writing the power rangers book for boom and then once that, that happens wouldn't that be i'm wonderful? just gonna be bugging you constantly <laughs> But first, so, you have to tell people where to find you on the internet. That's true. We should also make sure we do that. I, I will absolutely <laughs> do that. But I will also tell you, and I don't think I've ever talked about this out loud because I don't want to jinx myself. But since since you're nerding out with me over this, um, one of the only uh, big publisher editors that I have like regular contact with at this point, Micah, mm-hmm. is Daphna Plebin, who edits the Power Rangers books. Oh, man. Like, I don't just... know. If those, I don't know if it was like, sheer force of will like me wanting to someday do it like that made me focus there or like it's just luck um but uh yeah we email sometimes to see her at cons uh, you gotta just start getting that pitch ready that way if the conversation comes up just be like look i got a yeah. pitch i got it's exactly it. one of the last classes i took was was pitching work for higher stuff and and paul taught it and paul wrote power rangers last year he wrote the uh the psychopath um ogn um and that's you know power space uh, psycho rangers mm-hmm. uh and when paul's and given out sort of assignments for the class i made him give me power rangers in space so that way i could practice heck yeah some devious um but uh let's, let's tell people where they can find me yes yeah, where can, where, where can people find you on the internet of oh, on, the, the, kids on the internet you can find me on facebook and twitter and instagram and all that good stuff um different different venues for different audiences depending on what you want uh I like Instagram a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I like images and I think comics are a visual medium. So Instagram's pretty awesome and I'd have a pretty nice one, I like to think. Um, my handle there is just my name at Frank Gogol, one word, F R A N K G O G O L. Um, I also have a Twitter, which I used to hate and is slowly growing on me as I 
you know, make more friends in comics and have people to actually interact with on That's there. That's where your Power Rangers ramblings go. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I used to, I, I try to keep my Facebook like less posted. So like any, if I have a random thought, it goes to Twitter. Um, but Twitter is the same handle at Frank Ogle, one word. Um, as I mentioned, I have a Facebook. I don't have like a fan page or anything because I'm not an arrogant psycho. Um, and yeah. also because the Facebook algorithm doesn't really support them in any meaningful way. Um, but I, I do have add a, you on Facebook then actually. I, <laughs> I do have a profile. Um, it is public. I do not mind random people who I don't know friending me if they are Power Rangers fans or if they want to talk shop about making comics or if they're just a fan. As long as you're not like walking around with a swastika on your arm or anything like too crazy. <laughs> yeah, that might have to be. might have to be a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you got to filter it a little bit. But I, I will not turn almost anyone away if they send me a Facebook friend request. Because, and we were talking about this before uh, we started recording, I... One of my biggest, what's the right word here? One of the things that I like least about the comics industry when back when I was a fan was it was really hard to connect with writers I I, I like the work of and who, who I appreciated. Um, that has since changed now that I'm in the industry. Oh, yeah. uh, but I remember like being a big fan of Scott Snyder and Scott Snyder is not a particularly accessible person. That's not, I mean, he's not hiding or anything, but like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and other people. Um, so like one of my personal missions is to just just make sure like if somebody wants to, to get in touch with me, like I've had people like mail me their books to sign and stuff like that. I'm like happy to do shit like that. Um, like I have DMs going with, with people who I don't know who are just fans of my stuff, just talking shop the comics. Like I'm, I'm I'm all about that. Like I think oh, that yeah, man. It's it's a small community. We have like a few thousand creators and tens of thousands of people, and that's not a lot of people. And like the, the more connected we can be, and the more accessible we can be, like it's the, becoming the more niche, you know, than it's yeah. ever been. So, yeah. Also, you know, if I connect with you, I'm more likely to get your money. That's it, everybody. Wins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. What have you got to lose? I mean, you're basically your own publicist, right? You're, you're exactly. You got to sell exactly. yourself. All right, so um, I'm, I'm going to let you go here in just one second. The last thing I want to ask you, and we'll, we'll take we'll take Mighty Morphin off the table because I think that's kind of the the go to nostalgia, especially for people that are. I think it, we're, it is not my favorite. Okay, okay, oh. cool. I, I I just I usually like to exclude that because I think people like us because we are close to the same age that watch that. There, it's just hard to yeah. replicate that that feeling of of watching it. But so, do you have yeah. a favorite a favorite season of, of Power Rangers? Yeah, it's one thousand percent Zio. Really? Yeah, followed very closely by Time Force, and then there's a huge gap between. Time, between Time Force, next. I think, is like objectively like the best seat. Like it's not my oh, favorite, for, but for I sure. think it's probably like the objectively best written and best produced season of Power Rangers. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that, and I'd say maybe In Space is probably a close second to it. Um, but Zio for me was In Space is great. I just, I just think I, I like everything. About it. I think the costumes are awesome. Like I hate when costumes don't match. Like a lot, a lot of the times, like there's small variations in the costumes, especially like, with the sixth Rangers. Oh, and like, just, I have like crazy OCD, so I love Mighty Morphin because the Rangers, but outside of their helmets, are, are fairly uniform. Even the Green yeah. Rangers close. Um, costumes Zio, and theme song is like fifty percent of it for me, dude. Like, oh like, yeah, like like the look of the Rangers and how good the the theme song, the opening credits are, is like if if they nail that, I'm like, okay, you're already like halfway there of being yeah, no, at I least mean, decent. 
there, there's there's the theme song for Zio is fantastic. I think my wife is outside of the office while I'm recording this with you listening to me. But um, <laughs> we have an inside joke. We have an inside joke that if she never knows where I'm at in in the house, she'll just go. She'll sing "Stronger Than Before" and then like oh. from, from somewhere across time and space, I will I will scream back, "Go Zio!" Oh, um, that's like the coolest thing I've ever heard. About. Yeah, my wife's awesome. Oh. I, I can hear I can hear her smiling through the door. Oh. Uh, I have a real but, soft spot for Dino Thunder. Um, it's not my favorite, but I, I, that that that's one of the ones that comes to my mind. I actually really dug Ninja Steel recently, and I I don't know. There was something about the introduction of like of a girl White Ranger that was really interesting to me on that they, team. I mean, there was a girl White Ranger in Wild Force. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I, but she's also she's also like the Pink Ranger too. Like, I I, I dug the hell out of that costume though, the white with the skirt. Like, I thought the ninja motif. I thought the ninja motif worked a lot better this time around than it did in, in Ninja Storm. I wasn't a huge Ninja Storm guy. Yeah, um, ninja, well, Ninja Storm and uh, Dino Thunder, like to me, are very tonally different than everything else. Because like, they were the in, Disney ones. Well, yeah, and and the, the early Disney ones, right? Yeah. Like, so so Wild Force was like a, a middling, like between, like like right post Saban early Disney, um, and like, but it still had like the same visual tone and like, like like there's like a a Nickelodeonification, like Disneyification of Power Rangers when you get to um, uh, uh Ninja Storm, yeah. Um, you know, like everything is like a little bit cooler and like they are, they're like dirt bikers and skateboarders and surfers. And like, you know, it it just felt like, like, uh, Hannah Montana. I also really enjoyed in Dino Charge as well. As far as like recent seasons go, I I think Dino Charge worked on a lot of levels. I liked it better before they expanded so much like the 10 Ranger team. I I think I like that, that first season a little bit better before they did the, 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 this crappy thing they're doing now where it's like season one is just this. And then season two is super, whatever the first thing was. I'm, I'm kind of over that, but yeah, I, um, I've watched every episode at least once. Um, I'm very familiar with everything up through Dino Thunder because I've just recently rewatched all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, everything in the uh, sort of Neo Saban era, like all all the seasons that and the, the ones that have super with them, like none of them like particularly resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Samurai because um, I, I like Lauren Sheba a lot. Um, she's she's incredible. Um, you know, what? I, I I'm gonna start rewatching Mystic Force in a couple weeks. Mystic probably. Mystic Force is good. Lost Galaxy is also pretty good. Lost Galaxy is really good. You know, it, what's really interesting is now that I'm older and like I have the internet on a, a daily basis i'm going back and like reading all the behind the scenes stuff for each season as i go through and sort of reading like the synopses for the the japanese sentai counterparts for all mm-hmm. the series and like just seeing the way they like cut different things like power rangers lost galaxy is like there's 10 episodes of that show that actually have anything to do with the lost galaxy aspect of it oh yeah <laughs> and like there's like a pirate villain and everything in the the sentai version of it like the pirate is the bad guy for the whole show. And oh. like, there's, there's, there's no like Terra venture space station hurtling through space that they're like traveling on. I mean, like it's crazy. Like the, the amount of like deviation from the source material. Some of the seasons have, uh, in space is based on a Sente that is not at all space based. I didn't Which know is, that either. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, and that's one of the th- reasons I really like Power Rangers is because in space is it, it, if you took Mighty Morphin off in space is probably my favorite one. If I if if it's like gun to my head, I I loved. I remember getting that that little communicator uh, wrist. Oh uh, yeah, with the, the numbers. Oh yeah, man, that that keypad. I I wore the shit out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciated that it gave the the second turbo team a little more room to breathe and grow. Like I hated Justin. Like as a kid, I really resented that a child is a Power Ranger. And that's oh, never dude, changed. it's the worst. God, yeah. it was the worst. And, and, yeah. Well, I mean, especially the fact that like that turbo movie, man, when he morphs and then it just becomes an adult, but you still have the kid voice coming out of it. It was like, oh, dude, this is just so stupid. Well, it, you know what? It's it's funny though. Like, um. Sentai or Sentai is like it's it's a very self um, referencing uh, franchise in a lot of ways. Like um, that the, the season that Turbo is based on is called Car Ranger, um, and it is it is meant to be a spoof on Sentai. Um, so like the the tone of that season of Sentai is like very dopey, and like okay. that that's the material they had to work with. Like when they were translating it to, to the U.S. and like it and you know like there's the episode where they get baked into a pizza like yeah. that's very typical of like the first half of of Car Ranger like it's um it was meant to be a spoof um and they had to sort of work with it um and it just honestly like any of the seasons that are car themed or like military themed are are like car themed super missed for me like I hate Turbo um yeah I'd agree. Although I, I like those costume designs, though I like I like the turbo the turbo costumes. Turbo's okay. Um, Zio, I think is 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 the best by far. Mighty Morphin is is super good. I like in space. I just wish all of their visors were the same shape. They're all slightly different. And it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wish they were all just the way Andros's were. They're just sort of <laughs> cur- curved up. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I like the uh, I like the Ninja Storm uh, costumes a little bit. I wish that the uh, they were good. I wish the Beetle Rangers looked a little more similar. Like they they, didn't, they never felt like a team, um, especially when you get the the Green Samurai Ranger in there and he looks nothing like them. Um, well, man, what this tells me is that we definitely gotta have you back and do this again because it definitely I think we could probably just do a Power Rangers chat episode. Well, well, let's 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 review the the movie when it comes out. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, definitely, right? But I mean, God, that, sound, that you, sounds way too far down the road. We're going to have to. But it'll give your listeners time to decompress from all of this. <laughs> oh, they're going to be demanding it, man. They're going to be like, more Ranger talk, because I don't ever get to do it on here. Or maybe, they're, <laughs> or maybe they'll just be like, please never talk about that stupid kid show again. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But either way, man, I enjoyed the hell out of this, and uh, I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank, thank you for having me. Um, oh, yeah. Like, like I said, you. when we started recording, like, I. I don't know. Everyone always thanks me for being on these things, but like you guys have the audience and this is like, you do like so much of the work behind the scenes, like cutting it and, and editing it and getting the word out. Like I am very grateful that you guys do this and are, were you know, kind enough to have me. So thank you. Oh man. Anytime. Like I said, I hope we get to do it again. Make yeah. sure you guys go check out no heroin when it comes out. We'll, we'll definitely I forgot push... about that. We're <laughs> we'll, going to talk about the book. <laughs> we'll, we'll push the, uh, we'll push it pretty hard once that once the solicitation hits and people can actually go start telling their shops they want it um i'm 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 in man i'm looking forward to reading it i'll, I'll be checking out all three issues of that for sure and uh hopefully we'll get a meet up with you at a con or something at some point as well yeah. uh but well, yeah what, dude, what's your local show you guys are in denver area no we're in, we're say? no salt we're lake. yeah we're in salt lake 
Oh, okay, um, so I might I might be doing Salt X or something towards okay. the end of the year, September, November. Yeah. Or... Ah. They usually don't bring a whole lot of comics people, which kind of blows. They don't really give a shit about comics that much. But yeah, uh, well, I, I go where the publisher goes. Like I don't do my own tables at okay. or booths or anything. Well, so I mean, anywhere... if, if that happens, then we'll definitely meet up with you there. Yeah, what? There's one in a mall too. Is it yeah. Wasatch? Yeah, it's Wasatch. Wasatch. Yeah, that's a great yeah. con. We we I was always supposed to go that's our last friends year. con. Oh really? Yeah, we yeah we uh we're really good friends with the people that run it. We volunteer at that show every year. Okay, so and... that that's a distinct possibility. Some of my favorite creators are in the Salt Lake area, like uh, Phil CV and Oh and... CV's. I mean, we've had him on this show. God, what four times? He now. did yeah. my Dead End Kid <laughs> San Diego very. He's, oh. he's just he's wonderful. CV's a great friend of ours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Wasatch is a great show for comics the people that come like it's a smaller show but the people that come are they so psyched about yeah. it yeah it's, it's, it's in a mall right yeah, yeah. but it, that's it, pretty cool it works dude way better than you would even think like it's it's put together really well i i can't i can't stress enough like yeah if you if you get a chance it's it's a lot of fun listen i'm not above anything i did a i did a, a show in like the ballroom at a, a small hotel last year. Like it was like maybe 60 tables. That's the way the cons used to be, man, before the pop culture boom, you know, it yeah. used to be in like church basements and freaking. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I try to I try to do less of those just because oh, it costs yeah. money and time, but I, sure. I, I, I am certainly not above it. A little less security so and stuff as well. We will, we'll follow up on that. Okay, cool, man. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's do this again. Again. Thanks so much, man. Go check out no heroin. Check out dead and kids as well. And grief because they're, they're they're really great. Check out if you want something to read while you're waiting for no heroin to come out. Check out Frank's other work because it's all great. Um, we're gonna be uh, we'll have another podcast coming out this weekend, which is our creator focus episode on Peter David. That'll yes. also be out the same time this episode's out. So we got two podcasts for you this week. Lucky you. Uh, we'll be back next week doing something else as well. So until next time, my name is Tyler. Hi Mary. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week.